I was already in my office just studying a little bit and uh, I'd been kind of preoccupied the last 10 days and just a lot on my mind and I just sitting down looking at my phone and I just I felt the need to just go to the office. Sometimes we just need to put the phones down, the iPad down and get the Bible out and the Word of God and just begin to see what God has for us instead of what social media and marketplace and all of these places have. They are definitely designed to entertain you and to eat up your time. You can you just for a long time. And I love marketplace. I love Pinterest. Uh, some of those things and just all those tool hacks and all those things and the first thing you know you just you just spent way too much time and you know you've spent too much time and uh, so I just stepped into the office and then brother Caleb called me and uh, I was uh, he telling me wasn't feeling well fever blisters and everything that goes with that and uh I had just kind of been reading about reading the Ten Commandments and just there's so many laws in effect and I don't mean to jump the gun. I'd like to teach on that sometime, but there's there's millions of laws in the world today. Audiences and precepts and all of these things. And uh, I read an article once that told this. He said all of these things, it's all the laws, rules, ordinances, Brother Tim Ryan was too. Millions of them just trying to enforce the Ten Commandments. And I thought, man, why don't we just condense that down and live by the Ten Commandments and we won't need all of this, all of these other things. But you got to break it down and just really get on down. For a lot of people, it's like going to the bank. They've been rooked and cheated and crook so many different ways that when you go to sign a note they'll have you a stack of papers about this about this thick sign every one of them or you initial them and you understand what this is saying and they take you right down the line and it's very aggravating and I think so often uh, my wife's grandmother, the first time that the banker asked him, filled out the contract for the loan, and just asked him to sign his name, he got furious, Brother Plappert. And he said, my, my word's no good. I've got to sign something now, that my, and my word's not any good. Well, it used to be that a man's word was his bond. But a lot of times in this day and age we live in, a man's word ain't worth the ink that it took to write it. And man, you just get in that contract and you just sign it all down, sign it in initial and sign in initial. And it just goes on and on. And it's crazy. It's aggravating. And uh, I sometimes I'll tell the loan officer, I said, and I'll tell the story about my wife's grandpa that got mad when he had to sign his first note that is just a handshake. I'll be in, you know, in a couple months and I'll pay this just like I said I would. And, uh, uh, you know, they, they quickly agree because of uh, the way that it used to be, but the way that it is now. And uh, I'm thankful with God, really. We just 
the Ten Commandments is still what we live by. And um, I know that the uh, Hebrews 12 and 1 has said, seeing that we are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. It's talked about laying aside every sin and the weight that so easily besets. And I, I want to talk about the weight of sin here for just a little while today. Would you allow me to do that? I might be kind of long. I've not preached, I think, one time in a few months on a Sunday morning. And uh, I kind of miss that. I, I do enjoy uh, uh, teaching. And, uh, but anyway, in study, and I, I came across this. And uh, I, I, I pulled out, I got one of Brother Ken Bowes. Uh, it's called Bowes Notes. And I began to read a little bit of that. And I highly respect Brother Kenneth Bowe. And, uh, but I began to look at it. He began to, he made a comment about David. And I began to look at that and it just drifted away from my initial study. And I got to thinking about the weight of sin. Just kind of argued with myself and my mind and woke up all during the night and uh, just thinking what to, what to title this today. And I, I just, I'm just going to call it the weight of sin. And uh, Hebrews, like I said in 12, it said laying aside every, lay aside the, the, the sin and the weight that so easily besets. Uh, in exhorting the other night, talked about uh, when you're training for track and for uh, things of this nature, all during the week you go around, you'll see them, they'll have about two and a half pounds on each wrist and about sometimes five pounds on each ankle. Just weights and all week long they wear this and all all through their training they wear this. And uh, But on race day, I'm telling you something, they, they're, they're preparing, they're training, uh, but on race day they lay aside the weights. They get the lightest track shoe that they can find that'll grip and man, they're ready to run. They're ready for the race. And uh, that's the way we ought to be in this life. I feel like we ought to be preparing daily, preparing our lives to meet the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't want to be like the five foolish. I don't want to be empty of Holy Ghost oil, but I want to be full of the oil, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And uh, so... David is talking about in thirties in, in 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 Proverbs thirteen and, and fifteen. He said, "A good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard." And uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to live with sin that you've committed in your life. There's been times that I've had things in my life that didn't belong there, and uh, there's been times that I've done things that. Uh, that was a transgression, and man, I just, the elder used to say, I would rather sleep with a mangy dog than to sleep in my bed with a guilty conscience. Because you'll get a lot more sleep sleeping with a mangy dog than you will trying to sleep with a guilty conscience. And when you've done wrong and you've done something that you know better to do, there's a weight that's part of the Tim Jones what I have wrestled with all week because uh, 
about 10 days ago, I'd done something that I knew better than to do. And uh, I'm talking about the cattle situation when I got a lot of people looking at me and thought, oh God, he's committed the unpardonable. But I ordered the cattle in, and I know that when you get cattle in, when they load them, they've run them with four-wheelers, they've run them with horses, whooped them with ropes, they've prodded them with uh, hot shots, which is an electrical device, kind of like a taser, and it'll put the go-ye in them, and it'll make them get into a trailer when they don't want to get in a trailer. But when they come, and you know, for a, a while after that, they're amped up. They're, 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 you know, they're in a survival mode. And I knew better. I knew to take them to the corral. I knew to open that corral, turn them into the corral, and to hold them there for a few hours, show them where there's water, show them where there's feed, and to do this for a few hours, and then just open the gate and let them figure out on their own that the gate is open. They just drift out. They'll go to the water troughs. They'll check the, the feed troughs, and then they'll circle the perimeter uh, like they uh, always do. And then if they don't find a way out, they settle down and they begin to graze. Well, I had the idea that I could just turn them in, and I'm going to turn them down this valley, and they're going to go straight to the pond and onto the water, and you've heard the story, but when I let them out, i done something that I knew better than to do, and that's really what I've lived with this week. I'm suffering a loss now because i done something that I knew better than to do. I knew not to do that, and it just, who do I blame? I go down the road, I'm I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a rage. I see cattle running down the road, and the first thing I start looking around for, I start looking around for somebody to blame. I, they've left the gate open at the mill, and that's the first place I look, and the gate's shut. And so I, then I try to accuse them of shutting the gate after the cattle got. But what it all boiled down to, Brother Samson was living with his conscience that I'd done something that I knew better than to do, Brother Dylan. And it's not a good feeling. I, I don't like sleeping and living with condemnation. It'll, it'll weight you down. And I, uh, during thinking of this, and I, I, I thought of David and uh, uh, these weights, let me just define weight. It says to oppress with a burden, to increase in heaviness by adding an ingredient, an extra ingredient, to feel the weight of, to cause to incline in a particular direction by manipulation. You can weight something down and make it pull to the right. You can make so, weight something down and, and it'll pull the front down. Or you can make the back go down. And you, you do all of these things by weight distribution. They do it in stock car racing. They do it in monster trucks. They, they begin to test these. And they begin to distribute weight to where they get an even uh, jump or a smooth ride around whatever uh, kind of track that they're going around. And they do all of this by weight distribution. And, uh, uh, but also the weight of sin will begin to pull you in a particular direction. Sin plays with your mind, the weight of it, when it, it weighs on your mind. And uh, uh, today, and we see David, and uh, this, let me read just a little bit of this, and then I'll, I'll get into some explanations. He said, blessed is he whose heart, blessed is he whose transgression, 
I'm in Psalms 32, starting at the first verse. Whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man. Man, he's quoting this beatitude and uh, already. Blessed is the man unto whom the, unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. Man, David's starting out with such a, a proclamation of relief and he's, uh, uh, he's elated, and, uh, uh, but he has committed a, a heinous sin here. But uh, he's given you the after feeling uh, of what he went through and what it felt like to have this sin omitted or remitted or forgiven and, and, and to get it off of his chest. And uh, this thing has been worrying him. This thing has been bothering him. And we'll read this further uh, along what it was doing to him in this psalm. But uh, I was thinking in this day and age that we live in, in the modern technology, and there's so many crimes that, uh, uh, that's been, you know, laying in the files for years. And now uh, they are starting to uncover them uh, uh, through DNA and uh, 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 they can uh, you know match uh, uh, people to the crimes by the DNA that was found at the scene of the crime and uh, uh, so today every once in a while you'll read where an old crime was uncovered and they matched the DNA and all of these things uh, there was a conviction made uh, because of the DNA and I thought how many people across the uh, world today, uh, uh, Brother Winkler, that has maybe created, uh, uh, you know, uh, committed murder, uh, uh, a rape, uh, rape victim somewhere is hoping that maybe a, a DNA analysis will come up uh, and match somebody and somebody will have to pay for this crime that is committed. But I thought those that's sitting uh, in their homes today uh, and every time the phone rings, they maybe every time uh, uh, they see a sheriff pull up up in the yard is 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 are they smote are they do they go into a panic mode and a lot of times you read about where they panicked and uh, uh, we re, you know we had brother uh, that was here from brother Hitz I've already forgot it brother Toby uh, that was here guilty of murder at the age of nineteen in a crime scene uh, that went bad and he talked about living with this thing uh, for the several weeks that went along and they're just trying uh, uh, to uncover and they knew that at one time uh, uh, he was an associate of this victim uh, and they come to talk to brother Toby and uh, uh, as they begin to talk brother Toby uh, they weren't even there for a confession they were just there looking for a lead but brother Toby had lived with this thing on the inside of him and it was tormenting him and finally he just broke down he went in the house he got the uh, I believe it was the gun and he brought him the gun and he just uh, broke down and began to confess I can't live with this thing in my mind anymore this horrific thing that I've done and he said I've got to confess Confess it. I've got to get it off of my mind. I can't stand it anymore. What are you talking about, Brother Sampson? The, the weight of this sin.
sin uh, was weighing on him and it was, uh, it was working on his conscience. And uh, uh, so I thought, you know, how many people in America today that are guilty of crimes and so far, uh, they th- actually they think uh, that they've got away, but how much torment uh, have they actually went through in their life? Uh, how much sleep have they lost at night? May and, uh, maybe seeing time after time, uh, frame after frame of, of uh, uh, different pictures going through their mind of the thing uh, uh, maybe 20, 30 years ago that they committed, uh, but every day of their life they think about it. Uh, every time they see law enforcement, uh, I wonder if they're looking for me. It's the weight uh, of this sin, uh, and it's taken years uh, off of their life, and a lot of times we've heard uh, uh, when people years, uh, 20, 30 years later, they've been caught uh, and convicted, uh, and they talk about and express what a relief uh, that it is, even though that they're locked uh, in a physical, natural prison uh, to be loosened uh, uh, from that, that mind game that's been going on uh, year after year, day after day in their mind, uh, the weight of this thing uh, just bogging them down. David said, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. And I remember as a child, and I, I, I've told this story before, but in New Mexico, I had to be about five, 60 some years ago, but it left, that day left an impression on my life at about maybe four or five years old. And uh, you said, oh, Brother Samson, uh, uh, you can't remember that far back. I want to tell you something. I, I remember a lot of things in that age uh, uh, category, but uh, this thing, uh, uh, my father had some uh, employees, uh, they come to get paid and as they were leaving uh, I was standing beside the road and I had a big dirt clod in my hand and I'm standing there and I look back now I passed before kids and I knew what they were going to do before I even got there. Why? Because uh, I've experienced those things in my own life but I took that dirt clod, Sister Katrina and I I just stood there uh, I thought I looked innocent. I probably looked guilty. They probably knew exactly what I done but when they went by I took that rot dirt clot in Missouri it'd be a rock but in New Mexico in that fertile soil it was a clot of dirt but I took that and I hit that truck tire as it went by and brother Ali as I threw it and it hit the truck and it went by I looked up and my dad was out in the field and he was looking right at me now I did not know that he didn't see me He was probably just the truck department caught his attention and he looked up about the time. But I looked up and my dad was a no-nonsense person. And I thought, oh Lord, what have I done? Why did I do that? Now I'm thinking this at five and four or five years old, not even in school yet. And I'm thinking, and all day, I thought when my dad gets in from the field, I'm a, I'm a had dad Jehoshaphat. I can tell you something. I'm, I'm going to get in bad trouble. And just a young child, that thing bothered me until it almost made me, Brother Cameron, physically sick because I had committed a transgression. I knew that I'd done wrong, and actually it was just the guilt 
complex that settled over me when I looked up and I saw my dad's eyes in my direction. Oh, goodness, that was such a horrible feeling. You'd have thought I'd have never done anything wrong after that, but that's not the case. I'm a slow learner. I had to sit in the front of the class quite a bit because I, I, I didn't get my lesson real quick but here we see David in Psalms 32 and he is uh, putting a psalm and it is a a, a masculine Maskell's psalm, it's a teaching psalm. It's a psalm of instruction. That's what Psalms 32 is, is to teach the transgressor how to get back to God. And in, in our Christian life, we need to understand there is no need for us to commit sin and continually to be weighted down by the weight of sin when we got an advocate with Jesus Christ, uh, the righteous that we could come to. He'll cover those sins. But what gets us in trouble is our unwillingness to confess uh, this sin and we hide this sin. Uh, and this is what David done. David wrote this psalm, uh, uh, this psalm of instruction. He put it in song form, uh, uh, sometimes just singing a song. Uh, uh, helps put the impact uh, of the, the, the thing that you're trying to get across. When we get our children up, we, we go through that A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, and man, it just seemed like they can't learn it. But somebody one day said, hey, let's put it in the song. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And we'll get to the end of it. Now tell me what you think of me. That's a song of instruction. It's informative and it's it's leaving an impact. And I found that it works better with kids than just trying to memorize the alphabet, you know, one 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 at a time. But that's the way the Lord is. He he David comes along and he puts this in in information uh, uh, to inform us you know when sin is there man don't don't let it get a hold of you don't don't entertain it don't keep it hid in your heart he said blessed is the man to whom uh, the Lord imputeth not iniquity uh, and in whose spirit uh, there is no guile uh, one commentator said sin is so so radical an offense against God that the Holy Scripture uses 15 different Hebrew words to describe it in the Old Testament. In the first two verses of this psalm alone, David uses four of them, transgression, sin, iniquity, and guile. Hallelujah. Sin is a defiance. Uh, uh, that's what we see in our children when they back talk you and you say, all right, you clean this up. I've heard some of them even say, no, or wait a minute. Man, when I was growing up, someone put a post on the other day and it said, when I was growing up, breathing hard was considered back talking. Just... You tell, you tell your child to do something. Well, say, I'm not, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. <clears throat> but if they had my parents, you didn't even breathe hard. What would happen, Brother Samson? They'd back, if you back talk, they backhanded you right in your smart mouth. Well, that's the thing to do. I never was in detention. I never was in penitentiary. 
so it must work. Get out of that bed, boy. Get that trash took out. Get that yard mowed. Well, I wanted to go. Do you go do what I said? It's just that little bit of defiance that gets in a child. It's what the word transgression means. Sin is rebellion, revolt against lawful authority. It is what a child manifests when he says no to every parental command. It's what makes a child test every regulation, every rule and restriction placed upon him. Sin is a defect. The word David uses for sin comes from a Hebrew root word that means to miss the mark or to come short, to fall short. It indicates something missing in one's life, a defect, a coming short of the glory of God. In this case that we're talking about this morning, sin. It's a distortion. Iniquity denotes perversion, perverseness, coming as it does from a Hebrew word meant bent or crooked. Our human nature is warped, Brother Adam. It's crooked. We talked about it the other night. Who can trust your heart? The writer said it is deceitful. It is exceedingly wicked. You can't trust your heart. I'm going to trust my instincts. Most of the time, you can't trust your instincts because of this crooked nature, this default that's in us. Sin is a deception. The word guile needs no explanation. It stands for the insincerity, insincerity, cunning, duplicity of human nature. David in his sin with Bathsheba and in the murder of Uriah had acted in revolt against the divine authority. He had fallen short of the law's minimum demands. David commits this heinous crime. He, he takes this faithful servant and he's not where he should be and uh, uh, David's got something working with him he should have in him he should have been at battle uh, with his warriors with his men that's where that he should have been something I want to tell you something sin will change up your attitude sin will change you up how do you know brother Samson David explains this uh, in this psalm of, of, of 30 uh, psalms 32 that he writes he said when I kept silent my bones waxed old when I kept this sin balled up within me how many people and you can listen to these crime stories in old time radio and you feel and you you sense this crime is building up. You sense uh, that there's fixing to do something very, very stupid. And uh, uh, you're thinking, you're sitting there knowing the direction uh, that the story's going or maybe you've even heard it before, but you know that they're fixing to swindle, uh, they're fixing to take a life uh, uh, to make gain and you're sitting there thinking, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do this thing. 
Why don't you just go confess? But uh, even sometimes when they're not guilty, they be, begin to do things, uh, uh, Brother Voistel, that they wouldn't ordinarily do because they're afraid that they're going to take the blame. And then uh, they wind up as deeply involved uh, uh, in the situation as the one that committed the initial crime. And uh, uh, But it's just something about not wanting to get it off the chest, not to get it out of the heart. I'm thankful that we go to God with our situations. So many times people are so unforgiving. I remember my wife asked our cattle producer, what, what, what kind of religion are you, Josh? What do you believe? He said, I believe that I am a sinner saved by grace. But Brother Tony, people can forget that so quickly, so easily. And they're so unforgiving. They'll hold somebody's nose to the grindstone that they're guilty of exactly and worse the same their self and will not forgive. They put rules and stipulations on somebody else that if I wanted to jerk the cover off of it today, they are guilty of... Twice as much, and a lot of times they think nobody knows. It's covered. But they'll hold somebody else to the grindstone, and you're going to pay for this wrongdoing until you can prove to me different. And God's looking at you, thinking you've got such a weight on you. Your conscience constantly come back, and you ask yourself on a daily basis, why did I do what i done? Why am I involved in at this present time with what I'm involved in? And you won't forgive your brother. What's it say? You got odd against your brother, go get it right, get it fixed, and then let's get on with it. I know preachers, they got even maybe their wife, and she, she may have been a little rebellious. And for 10 years, they put her off the platform. People commit a sin in the church. Just sit down over there and prove yourself. And they'll sit there for years trying to prove themselves. What's it say about forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors? Forgive us, God, what we owe you for the transgressions or what they owe us. And we won't ask forgiveness for the transgressions that we have against God. What are you talking about? You need to be, you need to shuck off of this weight. You need to get a biblical attitude. You need to know how to go get stuff fixed. A transgression is a sin, a trespass, a violation, a wrongdoing, sin, an act regarded as a serious or regrettable fault. How many of us in here today has done things that we've regretted? Sin. That's a fault that we have. That, that's a default that's in this flesh. This flesh is going to sin. This flesh seeks its own. This flesh wants its own way. This flesh don't like to repent. This flesh don't like to ask for forgiveness. And it's the weight of all of this that begins to wait on us. And it changes our personality. It changes our behavior sometimes on a, on a daily basis. 
10 days, I'm going around disgusted with myself because of the thing that I'd done that I knew better than to do. I've learned a valuable lesson, but it's sometimes with God, we need to go to God and say, look, man, this ain't the first run-in I've had with this. This thing just keeps coming back. This thing just keeps bothering me. This thing just keeps condemning me. This is what David's talking about. This is why he starts out so joyfully. Blessed is the man that's not under condemnation. Blessed is the man his conscience is not bothering him. Happy is the man that's not condemned in the thing which he allows. Don't keep going back day after day, week after week, uh, and keep doing the same old thing. You're going to get the same results that you've always got. You're going to get displeasure from God. I feel like we need to be on on a relationship with God. And it talks about in here, uh, when I kept silent, my bones waxed old. You ever seen anyone that with hatred in their heart? Malice, strife, envy. I've seen them aged. I've seen them plumb down to their deathbed still ranting and raving about who was who at the zoo and who done who wrong and that wasn't right. Uh, you know... And they said, I ain't coming to church because there's too many hypocrites in the church. Well, I'd rather go to church to, with a hypocrite as I would to spend hell, all eternity in hell with the hypocrite because that's where the hypocrite's going. So don't come up with that lame brain excuse to Brother Samson and say, just too many hypocrites. There's hypocrites everywhere you go. And they'll sit home and watch the boob tube hours on end. And that... Greek word, uh, hypocrite. That's where that came from. Those Greek actors, they would get the little mask and they, you know, if they wanted to look like a villain, they had a little mask. This is in the day before they had all, uh, you know, the theatrics that they have today. They'd hold a little mask up of a villain or a robber or uh, the impression of a murderer, some of, you know, some bad guy. And then they would... They would change this and they would change that. And that those actors, that, that's where that word came from. Hypocrite. Actors. They'll sit there and indulge in a multi-billion dollar uh, uh, Hollywood adventure. That's okay, but they don't want to come to church and sit with somebody that, that, uh, that they know that done something wrong. They damn and condemn them and just, you know, hypocrite. But they'll go spend eternity in hell with them where the fire's not quenched, the worm never dies. You just on and on with torment. You're going to be there with the hypocrite. So just come to church, do what's right, get the weight of sin off of you, and let God divide the sheep from the goats. it when somebody says that. It's not just because I'm a church goer. It just makes no sense to me. Does it make sense to you? When I kept silent, my bones waxed old and through my roaring all the day long. Evidently, this may have given him a bad attitude. Just looking for somebody to jump on. 
My brother-in-law said once, he said, I ain't working for my dad, my oldest brother-in-law. He said, because my dad is not happy until sometime during the day, and he had his own vocabulary that he used, but until he chews somebody out. And that ain't what he said, but he said, and that's my dad. He just every day has to chew somebody out. Well, sometimes in, in, in the spirit realm, that's the way people are. They've got such a belligerent, nasty attitude. It's because of things that they're hiding and storing in their heart. The weight of this thing. The weight and the sin. Now, there's some sins, but there's some sins that have weight to it. And David is experiencing this. Not only did he steal... He killed and he committed adultery. And not only did he do all of those things, he tried to lie about it and he tried to cover it up. Had an illegitimate child on the way. Sends a letter. Uriah takes the letter himself. Carries it to Joab. You can guarantee knowing the nature of Joab. That tyrant took that letter after he carried out exactly what the king instructed. But you can guarantee one thing, that Joab took that little letter and folded it up. Stuck it right here for future reference. No doubt, no doubt, that's possibly how he got by with some of the stuff that he got. Oh, you're not going to do that? I ought to uh, read this to the court. When sin gets the jump on you, this is a sin that had some weight to it. This is a sin, Sister Greenwood, that was affecting, it was affecting David. His attitude, his mentality. There's a roaring all the day long. Maybe he was just, oh, just eating because of what he was hiding inside, this bad attitude. Or maybe it was just the roaring in his ears. You murder, you kill her, you murder, you kill her. A faithful servant that he had killed. Man, the weight of this sin. Maybe, I, maybe David could see Uriah when... He's up on the front line and his, the instruction was, you were not even supposed in battle in those days because they throwed rocks and stones and blocks of wood off of the walls onto you. You had to stay back a respectful distance. And the instruction was you get Uriah the Hittite and you put him on the front lines. I wonder what Uriah thought. Man, this is a strange deal, but I, I, I'm going to do what the commander-in-chief said, and he's up there, and he's fighting, and the command was, and pull back away and leave him there. A man after God's own heart is making this scene go down, and I thought, I wonder what Uriah thought as he's fighting the battle and all of a sudden he's not protected here and he's not where's all this why am I under so much battlement here I, I, where's my protection he turns and he looks and uh, uh, orders everything 
Everybody's pulled back and he's out there fighting alone. I'm going to tell you something. Sin will make you fight a battle on your own. You will fight all by yourself because you're in an area that sin has put you in uh, and the Christian man can't go there. Uh, he can show you how to get out. Uh, he can nod his head and say, come this way. Uh, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, David goes on and down to discuss uh, uh, that he guides me with his eyes. I want to tell you something. You've got to have a relationship with God. If you want God's direction, the Bible said a good man's steps are ordered of the Lord. You've got to be in connection with God. You've got to be where he can control you with his eyes. And this is what David says, and we'll read it here in just a little bit. You got to be, I got to be, a lot of times I look at my wife and, and uh, we'll get eye signal. And I'll go like this or, you know, or, or look down like this and, uh, uh, you know, and, she, and she'll begin to, uh, uh, whatever the situation is, begin to look at what, I, what I'm talking about. I don't have to say anything. It's like doing this. David said he'll direct me with his eyes, but I want to tell you something. You're full of sin. You're not going to be looking God in the eye. You're going to have this mentality, this attitude, this roaring in your ears, this conviction that's roaring and working on you day in, day out because of the weight of sin that's so easily besetting you. And all you've got to do is go get it right. Go to family. Go to in-laws. Go to saints. Uh, uh, brothers and sisters in the church, but get it right. Don't live with this thing until it pulls you out of the church and to take you away from the church and then everybody suffers. I read a pastor's post just the other day talking about people that just leave the church. He said, you've loaned them money, you've counseled, you've traveled with them, you've done this, you've done that rescheduled your vacations. You've let your family go to go assist them and so easily they can turn their back on you. It weighs on your mind. It weighs on you. And if you don't get this sin out of your heart, it won't be very long you'll move to a different church. You'll still be the same sinner. You'll just be sitting in a different congregation where you think nobody knows about what you've done. But let me tell you something. It's a small world. And when you fail, it usually don't take very long for people to find out about your transgression. Do we throw up our hands and quit? No. Blessed is the man that God doesn't impute iniquity to. He doesn't just keep you beating you over the head with it. He forgives you. Uh, he encourages you. Come on. Let's go. Uh, go your way like he told the little woman uh, caught in the very act of adultery. Uh, go your way and don't do this anymore. Don't sin no more. I'm not condemning you. God's greater than your heart. If there's no condemnation there. you got confidence toward God. But when you've been doing every kind of an ungodly act all day, 
pornoed on your phone. You've social media sites that you shouldn't have social media and you're doing this and the weight of this thing is on you and you're snapping at your kids. Uh, you're snapping at your animals. You're snapping at your spouse uh, and they didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, the weight of the sin that you're guilty of weighing on your conscience uh, is altering your personality, altering your ego and you consistently uh, go back and you consistently suffer because you won't go to God and get it fixed. Blessed is the man whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there's no guile. Don't get bitter at everybody else because you're the sinner. Just get it right. Made an old man out of me. It sapped my energy for day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. And after a while, get tired of the conviction and come to an altar uh, and confess your sin and get the Holy Ghost uh, and get that condemnation out of your life. Repent. That means to what? Turn around. Turn away. Go the other direction. Well, I just got this porno addiction. Take that phone and stomp it in the ground. Better to enter in halter maim than lost with a cell phone. That's a modern day version. But it's the weight, the sin. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. It's dried me out. It's changed me. I'm not what I used to be. Why? Because of condemnation. Just give it up. Crucify your flesh with all the lust and the affections and give it over to God. Get it right. Some of us has lived for God 50, 60 years, 30 years, 40, whatever your age, some of your whole life, you've been in church, then all of a sudden you let something begin to work on you. It's going to take you to hell. And you know it's taking you to hell. Goodness, I'd rather look at somebody and say, you know, I've not really liked you. My first impression of you wasn't very good, but I don't want to go to hell. Let's get it fixed. I've tried to fix stuff with people that it couldn't be fixed. The drought of summer, it's turned, it's took the moisture out of me like a drought of summer. Selah. There's an interesting word, sila. It's a musical thing in music that denotes a pause. In other words, stop right here after and just let this soak in. Another meaning for sila is what do you think of that? David uses this three times in this one psalm. For night and day my hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into, this, into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my, into the drought of summer. Selah. Stop. Think about what we've said this far. The thing you're harboring, the weight that you're carrying... It's going to slow you down enough that you're going to just get to the pearly gate 
and the door is going to close in front of you. How would you like to run with a race and think you were so good that I could run with all the weights on my ankles, all the weights on my wrist, get to the ribbon? As Paul talked about that reaching forth. See him. Reach forth, the first one to break that ribbon at the finish line. And you thought that you were so good and you were so competitive that you just leave the weights on and leave your lineman boots on or logging boots on and you go out there and you begin to run. And when you get there and somebody beats you by a half a step, you're going to realize I should have took off the weights. I should have laid aside every weight that would hinder me and I could have won the race. The trouble is with weight, you're not even going to finish the course. Selah, think about it. Got sin in your life today? Think about it. If you're condemning somebody for something they've done, and I know personally some of you that's doing this that you got way bigger trouble than that. And these people has already repented and fasted and done everything that they could to get victory over it. And you just hold them to the grindstone. I'm going to tell you something. God will take your prosperity away from you. My children, well as Brother Aaron, I look at him like... A, like a son, Brother Caleb looks at him like a brother. We talk about your attitude right, keep your spirit right. You keep where God can direct your path. Keep a contact with God that he can direct you. You don't have to speak audibly. He just gives you an inclination. This is what I need to do. This is the direction that I need to go. Think about that. I acknowledge my sin unto thee and mine iniquity have I not hid. Now I'm getting rid of this thing. I'm bringing it out. I'm, I'm tired of hiding it. I said I will confess my transgression unto the Lord and thou forgivest the iniquity of my sin. Selah, think about that. Stop right there and think about that. Confess it. Get rid of it. God will forgive you. Think about it. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Don't hide this sin in your life until God turns his back on you, your finance, your family, and your health. Begin to feel the weight of everything that you've been entertaining in your heart and your mind. It don't matter who's right or wrong. Just get right with God. Selah, you're my hiding place. You're going to preserve me from trouble. God, if I'd have stayed in your presence, uh, I wouldn't have been on the rift, rooftop full of lustful eyes uh, or sitting in my room somewhere with my porno on my phone. Uh, God, if I'd have been praying, if I'd have been getting, reading your word, uh, I wouldn't have succumbed to this kind of thing that I'm going through today.
Preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with the songs of deliverance. Think about that. <laughs> Selah. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. Here it is. I will guide thee with mine eyes. You've got to be in a position that you can be in contact with God. And he can just nod you this way or that way because you're a good man. And Brother Allie, your steps are being ordered of the Lord. Not some crazy faction, uh, friction or faction that you got uh, in your mind uh, uh, to do this or that. But you know uh, because God has already shaken his head. You're already seeing the squinting of God's eyes. And you know, oh no, I'm not going there. I'm not stopping by there. I'm not pulling in here because God's motioning me on down the road. Think about that. Be not as the horse or the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with a bit and bridle lest they come near to thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Oh God, don't just bow up and I'm going to do it my way and I'm going to make it happen. I told my wife the other day, if all of these cattle come back and it looks like uh, uh, Brother Caleb and them counted yesterday and it looks like uh, uh, pretty much all of them are back in there. And I, I told Sister Sampson, I said, I can tell you one thing. When God does this, you ain't gonna be able to say it's works of righteousness that I done because if them dudes ever come back, it's gonna be the hand of God. I wanna tell you something. When you need God in your life, I don't want the weight of sin. I don't want that condemnation in my heart. I want to walk into the house of God. I want to walk into the prayer room. I want to step right in to the Shekinah glory of God and not feel the pressure of condemnation. Trust in the Lord. His mercy shall compass about him. I'm going to add Selah right there in that. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. David is telling us, uh, I remember the time uh, when the, the conviction... Uh, uh, condemnation of murder uh, and lust uh, and thievery was working in my spirit uh, and I wasn't the jovial man uh, that I should have been. Uh, I was like a beast. I was roaring all day. Uh, I was dehydrating. I was shriveling up uh, because sin, the weight of sin was destroying me. Oh God. It's day, wish it was night. When it's night, wish it was day. I'm going to go very quickly as they come to the music to Psalms 51. I'm going to go to first one. I'm going to read this chapter in its entirety. It is another psalm of instruction. 
Who's it to? It's to the transgressor. When David gets this load, Brother Winkler, off of his heart, he decides, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a song that will give instruction and I want him to sing it in the temple. I want him to sing it. I, I want people to, to, to know how to get it right if you're a transgressor. How do you get it right, Brother Sampson? David's talking about when he got that out of his heart, the joy and the peace that he has. Because David still remembered in Psalms 51 when Nathan the prophet came after he had gone into Bathsheba. You know, people come to church and they think what they, is covered. And it's true that the preacher, the ministry, maybe even the saints may not know what the condemnation is. But they can look at you and sure tell that you've been somewhere where you shouldn't have been. You've got involved in stuff that you shouldn't have got involved in because you have this disinterested look. You have a look of condemnation. A look of conviction. You have this look because you're guilty of sin. You can't worship. You can't really just break in and pray. Just stand there with all this hid in your heart. This is exactly what David was doing. He was concealing this weight that was weight bearing on his heart, his attitude, his mentality, his personality. Sin will alter a Christian. It'll alter him. Nathan comes to David. Reveals to him what you've done. Now let me prove my point on what I was talking about. How us a sinner will damn and condemn somebody else. not going to back up them to hell really what noticed in the church what people really like to do it's like a malnutrition chicken yard they begin to peck at this one certain chicken if they ever get the blood coming off of this chicken won't be very many days you go out there and He'll barely have some feathers around his neck, but I've seen them peck them plumb clean because of the mineral deficiency is in the other. They start in on this one, and then everybody gets on this one. And in the church, really the mentality, we're going to push their nose into the dirt, and we try, like to try to time it until we push them so far down and we make such an example out of them that they're on the verge of just quitting. And won't forgive. You want to push them until you think you're timing. You've got them down to where they can't go another step. And then you want to try to pull them up and nurture them back to life and nurture them back to spirituality. 
when they're so scarred and they're so discouraged out of everything that the church people has put them through that they're never going to be the same. They're going to carry scars the rest of their life and from time to time will manifest. When we could have went to them in love and restored them instead of damning and condemning them. Tony's here. He's failed several times since he's come, but he gets up and he's striving to do better. I don't know of the times that Sister Sampson and Sister Greason, uh, I've seen Sister Sampson get up. She said, I'll be back in a little bit. I'm going down to Sister Stephanie. Something ain't right. We didn't sit up there and say after we got her off the street and we brought her in, we gave her money and we got her going and she's down there, she's doing it all over again. I'm done with her. Light has no fellowship with darkness. I want to tell you something. Our light ought to be bright enough to pierce the darkness. It's a marvelous light. It's not a weak light. It's not something that can be hid under a basket or a bushel. But it's a light set on a hill. Samson, to go down there. What's going on, Stephanie? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Just like David. Nothing. Don't tell me that. She's got pretty stern, isn't she, a time or two? But what if we would have done like I just talked to Sister Stephanie? There wouldn't be no Sister Stephanie and Brother Donnie here. The times that I've known that Brother Tony has failed and probably don't know all of them, and I don't want to know all of them. It doesn't matter. I'm praying that he comes and he makes a perfect example in a day or two he's got that sax out and he's up here playing that saxophone got children in the church that look up to him uh, they think he's a hero he, they think he's the toughest thing uh, in shoe leather I was telling him the other day I look back brother Caleb's preaching his heart out I see brother Tony back there laughing and shaking his head and then I look at him again and he's giving it this back there in the pew and I look over at brother Anson and I think Brother Anson's got his head down, shaking it. Then I look over at Walker, little Walker. He's doing the same thing Brother Tony's doing. He's giving that horse all it's got. Let me tell you something while I'm dealing right here with it. I saw a little post about a cheetah that had killed a mother monkey and had the monkey in its mouth and the baby of this monkey that this cheetah had killed the mother of was grasped around its the cheetah is carrying it in its mouth dead and the baby monkey has got a life grip on the neck of its mother even though it's dead and it, the the cheetah is carrying this thing right into its den, no doubt to its cubs or to get to a place that it can feast on it. What are you trying to say, Brother Samson? Your children will follow that root of bitterness. Them children, well, that's the only thing they know and that's what they'll live by is the way that mom and dad harbor things in their heart and the direction that they lead them. 
You want your child to be inconsistent. You want your child to think there's nothing wrong with missing church and going and doing everything else in the world besides being faithful to the three times a week to the house of God. You just keep on with the tradition that you've got and you're going to be sitting around in the church. Say, pray for my children, Brother Samson. Pray for my children. You paved the path to hell for them. Now you're screaming with all your might to turn them around. Happy is the man that's not condemned. David walks away and he tells a story. There was a rich man and there was a poor man, David. Here we're coming down to the people in the church. And the rich man had plenty, flocks. But the poor man, David, he had one little ewe lamb. And the rich man had visitors one night and he goes over and takes by force the one little lamb that the poor man had. Took it and killed it and gave it to his sisters. He said, David, you're the king, man of wisdom. I've been living for God for so long. Take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. Thank you, stand, take heed, lest you fall. What would you do, David? What do you say about this scenario? That man is worthy of death. Kill him. That's what I say. And Nathan the prophet looks at him and he said, David, you're the man. You know what really needs to be done in the church today? The ministry needs to just walk around and just say, this is what you're guilty of. Even when I know what you're guilty of, I don't spread it through the whole church. I got things that I know that people's confessed to me to pray about that I'll carry to my grave. I got things in my life in the past and God has forgiven me that I don't make them public, but I hope to God nothing. Nobody ever finds out about it. I don't live with it in my heart anymore. I went to God and I got it off of my chest and I got forgiveness. David said, you're the man. Nathan said, you're the man, David. This is what you're guilty of. The same thing. David immediately takes the pen in hand and he pins this Psalm of instruction in 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. I'm thankful for the blood of Calvary today that can blot out everything in my past. And if you bring it up, it's because you've been digging in the blood of Calvary and digging up people's past. My God, move on forget those things that are behind and strive move on in to perfection lay aside every sin and every weight 
Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. You may never forget it, but you don't have to live in condemnation. I'm telling you something, this great God that we serve, against thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest uh, and be clear when you judge. God, I know uh, that you're going to judge me, but God, be clear. Uh, be true in it, God. Uh, and when his, his uh, punishment was put before him, uh, all some of it was uh, uh, to, to be pursued by man for so many days uh, and by famine and pestilence. Uh, and then the last one was to fall into the hands uh, of a just God. Uh, oh, I'm going to take David example. Uh, he didn't say oh, let me be pursued of men. Uh, he knew what it was like to be pursued. Uh, Saul had chased him all over uh, uh, all over Israel uh, uh, trying to take his life uh, and he escaped. He knew that, that there was a possibility uh, uh, but if man ever caught up with him, uh, he knew that man was relentless. Uh, he knew that man would punish him uh, to the utmost uh, and he knew also that family and pestilent uh, there was no mercy uh, but he knew that he would he said uh, I'll take uh, I'll fall into the hands uh, of a just God because why uh, he knew God was a God of mercy and forgiveness uh, I'm telling you something uh, he asked for forgiveness he got the weight Behold, I'm shaping iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. That's all God is wanting today. Be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. Some of you have got situations that you've been arguing over, uh, over for years in your life. Let it go. Just be honest with you and God and say, God, forgive me. And whoever has committed the offense... Let God handle that. He's a just God. He's a merciful God. But for David, he said, Thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. I'm going to be a lot smarter, God, if I ever get relieved of this weight of this sin. I'll never commit another one like this. Purge me with hyssop, I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. God, I'm tired of hearing uh, uh, condemnation ringing in my ears like tenderness, uh, uh, just over and over, ringing on a daily basis uh, to where it drives you nuts. Uh, sitting in the doctor's office one day at the ear specialist, uh, uh, I was in the hall and they had never shut the door to one of the exam rooms. Uh, there was a young Young woman that went in there and uh, uh, she looked a little distraught even when she went by uh, but I heard these words coming out uh, of that exam room to Dr. McIntyre she said please do something with this roar and this ringing in my ears I can't live with it anymore I can't go on with it anymore it was plain to see if that woman didn't get some relief she wasn't going to tolerate that very much longer. Oh, hide thy face from my sin. Blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew in me a right within me. Renew a right spirit 
Cast me not away from thy presence. Uh, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Uh, David understands where the peace comes from. Uh, David understands that's why. Why do you push uh, around the apostolic church? Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Uh, Infilling, uh, getting the Spirit of God uh, on the inside of you. Uh, It's going to help you cope uh, with all these other voices uh, that's in there. The Spirit of God uh, will flow them out. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways. And sinners shall be converted. You want to see the church grow? Get all the envy and malice out of your families and out of your heart. And out between your brothers and your sisters in the church. uh, And get a spirit of liberty. uh, Get a spirit of freedom. uh, And the church will begin to grow. And people will begin to receive the Holy Ghost. Verse 14, David's crying out. Man, he's pouring it out. It's been brought forth now. The man of God knows. Man, don't wait for Brother Samson to find out. You need to be in these altars uh, getting that heart clean, getting right before God. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God. Thou God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. God, you get the murder out of me, the envy out of me, the thievery out of me, uh, the rebellion, the disobedient, the talking back to the word of God uh, and stumbling over that rock of offense that I preached about a couple weeks ago. Uh, I want to tell you something David said. Oh, Lord, open my lips. Open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth praise. You get cleansed on the inside. You get full of the Holy Ghost uh, and you'll be full of praise. You'll be full of joy. uh, You'll be full of happiness. It'll take away the anger. It'll take away the hate. It'll take away the bitterness. It'll put a love in your heart for your fellow brother and sister in the church. The sacrifices of God. You know what it is? A broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart. You just need to be broken. Your old attitude, your old mentality needs to be broken. I feel like today, and I never had a clue who was here today, but I'm tell, I feel like I'm giving somebody a new lease on life here today. A broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, oh God. God won't despise that. He'll despise that heart. Sister Simmons, the one that's sitting there weighted down with sin. And like David, they're hiding it. And God knows it's there all the time. Who are you hiding it from? God sees the heart, the intent of the heart. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness with burnt offering and whole burnt offerings, then shalt they offer bullocks upon thy altar. We're going to offer a sacrifice, Mr. Mitchell, that's going to be accepted unto God. Why? You got dire needs in your heart? You got grievances in your heart? Maybe malice, hatred, envy? The world's done me wrong? Told me of Sister Linnea's testimony, what she had been through. 
at the Monday night that what they call that that fundraiser event for the shelter had a young man up there I've heard more than one testimony of this he said because of my parents I was put into foster care and foster care is where I received all of my abuse from the pretense of somebody with the intent they're going to help me they care about me then abuse sets in of what every aspect this young man began to tell this is where I got my abuse and he began to talk about the hatred malice that built up inside of him and it put him on the road to hell but I'm telling you about a God that can take all that away if you'll confess it and God will accept your sacrifice that financial blessing that you need God said if if it's in here and you come to the altar and you realize that's in your heart you get up you leave that gift there just wait right here God I'm going to be I'm going to be right back I'm going to go get something right I had you go get that fixed and then the Bible said you come back and then your heavenly father will reward you because if you can't forgive your brother whom you've seen forgotten by human how can you believe and trust in a God that you've never seen when they talked what are you talking about brother Samson did you stand to your feet today I'm talking about the weights of sin and some sins will so easily beset you because they're so heavy come on get your joy back Get your excitement back. Get your enthusiasm about doing a work for God. Get it back in your heart. You harbor all these things that you may not understand or you may not even agree with. Say, God, I'm just going to trust you. Take it away, God. Take it away.